In 1820, I believe, uh, Thomas Jefferson published a book called The Life and Morals of Jesus Christ, but it is more commonly known as the Jefferson Bible. You see, Jefferson uh, was not a Catholic. He was, I think, probably best described as a deist, didn't really believe in the idea of a personal God or the idea of the incarnation that we celebrated at Christmas or the resurrection uh, or really anything supernatural or miraculous. Um, So he went through the Bible and he cut out those parts that he agreed with and put them into this book that he published. Jefferson was not Catholic, but from the Catholic perspective, what Jefferson did was atrocious. You know, we believe the Bible is the word of God. Uh, It's the revelation of God uh, uh, along with sacred tradition. God is he who cannot deceive nor be deceived. These, These are the truths that he's revealed as necessary for our salvation. And Jefferson essentially set himself up as the judge and arbiter over what God has revealed in sacred scripture. Hopefully none of us have been tempted to do what Jefferson did. I, I, I doubt any of us have. But we in the modern world, we do have this tendency when we are challenged by sacred scripture or we face some difficulty in sacred scripture to dismiss it or write it off or ignore it. And a good example of this modern tendency I recognized in myself with our second reading from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians. Because in it, St. Paul says, wives be subordinate to your husbands as is proper in the Lord. And I'll be honest, part of me wanted to um, essentially punt on this reading. There, normally the church gives us the readings and there isn't much uh, of an option in terms of what the readings are. But today there are options. And I'm always tempted to pick the other option for the second reading. Because I, this particular line, it, it's a sensitive topic and it's a difficult passage to preach on. But we can't do that. We can't just sweep the word of God under the rug because it's difficult, because it's challenging. And here's why. Because it is very often the case that those passages we find most challenging, have, they have the most to teach us. And this second reading is no different because it teaches us Uh, properly understood the true dignity of Christian marriage and the family. And I think one of the reasons we're uncomfortable with this verse is because we assume one of two things. We assume either that Paul means the husband is in command of the wife, as perhaps a sergeant would be of a private in the army, or maybe a boss of an employee, Or we assume that he's saying that the wife should be a second-class citizen. Let me be absolutely clear on this. St. Paul is not teaching either of those propositions. However, to know that, we have to go outside of the letter to the Colossians. We have to look at Paul's other writings where he clarifies. So, for instance, in his letter to the Galatians, he says, In Christ there is no Jew or Greek There is no male or female. What he's getting at is that in Christ, uh, there isn't first-class and second-class citizens. In Christ, male and female have equal dignity and deserve equal respect. So he can't be saying that um, a wife 
is inferior or not of equal dignity to her husband. Nor is he envisioning some kind of command structure for marriage, right? Like a sergeant over a platoon. And we know this by reading St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, where he clarifies what he means by the word subordination. He says of both wives and husbands in Ephesians, be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. Be subordinate to one another. There is no such thing as a two-way command structure. You know, imagine, for instance, an army unit where the sergeant was in command of the private, but the private was also in command of the sergeant. That won't work. That's a contradiction. That's an impossibility. But even more than this, he goes on in Ephesians to use a, a synonym for subordinate that clarifies it even further. He goes on to say, each of you, each of you husbands should love his wife as himself, and the wife should respect her husband. So where he once used subordination, he now uses respect. Respect is very different from subordination. Then on top of that, it's impossible to have a two-way command structure. He can't mean that the husband is supposed to be in charge of the wife like a sergeant of of a unit that he's in command of or a, a boss of an employee. So what does he mean? Well, again, St. Paul's letter to the, the Ephesians, it's, it's very helpful to understand what he's getting at because there he understands the relationship between husband and wife in light of the relationship between Christ and his bride, the church. He says, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and handed himself over for her. So how did Christ love his bride, the church? Well, he loved the church by humbling himself, by becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross, by washing his disciples' feet. He loved his bride, the church, by ultimately laying down his life for her on the cross. It's Jesus who said, there is no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. And so the love of a husband and wife, it's meant to be an icon for the world of the love that Christ has for his bride, the church. This self-sacrificial, self-giving love. A love that grows if the couple's blessed with children. Right? Because then it's not just husband laying down his life for his wife, wife laying down her life for her husband. Both are now also laying down their lives for their children. You know, the, the Christian family, it ought to be an expression of this sacrificial love. In the end, you know, marriage is not something we define for ourselves. It's something like scripture that we have received from Christ, from God. And what, what God gives us in marriage, it's, it's absolutely beautiful, right? It's this image of the love Christ has for his bride, the church. But in addition to the deeper meaning of Christian marriage and family, this passage is an example of how a verse we might find difficult or challenging at first, it really has a lot to teach us if we're willing to engage with it. If we're willing to deny the temptation to be like Thomas Jefferson and just cut out those parts of the Bible that don't sit well with us. 
Rather, rather than being like Thomas Jefferson, I would propose we ought to read the Bible like St. Augustine. When St. Augustine experienced some difficulty with Scripture, his attitude was not, well, I need to ignore it or get rid of it. His attitude was, this is the word of God. This comes from he who cannot deceive nor be deceived. So the problem must be with my understanding. You know, Augustine had the humility to recognize the difficulties we have with Scripture. Often they say more about us than they do the Bible or tradition or or wherever in divine revelation we're having difficulty. Remember, Christ told us that God reveals his truth to the little ones, to the souls that are humble, to the proud. These saving truths remain hidden. So we must have the humility to recognize sacred scripture for what it truly is, the word of God, the word of he who cannot deceive nor be deceived. We must have the humility to allow the word of God to challenge us so that we can be conformed to those truths God has revealed for our salvation.